Welcome to the 20th anniversary edition podcast, where every episode is the 20th anniversary edition of a previous episode. That's confusing. It's not confusing at all. It's the 20th anniversary. Of what? Of, of a previous episode. But this, this hasn't been going for 20 years. You're asking too many probing questions, Elaine. I see. And, and that's just not how we roll on this podcast. I see. Shall we instead talk about some games? Because this is actually a the podcast. The No Fun Included podcast about uh, board, board games. games. But the 20th anniversary thing wasn't entirely irrelevant for once. The joke at the beginning wasn't entirely irrelevant. Because we've got 20th anniversary editions of Indeed we do. board games, right? What games do we have, Efka? Well, it's the 20th anniversary edition of Castles of Burgundy. Not the castles themselves, just the board game. Quite older. Well, it's actually not the board game. Oh. It's the 20th anniversary edition of Castles of Burgundy, but Castles of Burgundy's not been around for 20 years. It's the publisher, that, Aaliyah, that has been around for uh-huh. 20 years. Uh-huh. And, and therefore, it's the 20th anniversary edition of Aaliyah of Castles. This is very confusing. Let's move on to Bus, which is simpler. Bus is a board game. And now there's a 20th anniversary, anniversary edition of Bust the Board Game. That's because it. Because it is 20 years old. Because it is 20 years old. Uh-huh. It's as simple as that. And are you ready for this, Elaine? Mm. There's also Wavelength. That's not 20 years old. No, it's just a brand new game. How groundbreaking is that? Wow. I know. Wow. I but know. Could we not find another game that was 20 years old? I mean, I, I think we could have. Last year was definitely the year of re-editions and re- reimaginations and reprints and all that kind uh-huh. of thing. I like it. And I, do you know what? Because I think a lot of people that got into the hobby weren't around for 20 years or whatever. Oh, for sure. And, and they, they probably never had a chance. Some of these are games I've never heard of Bus. I didn't no. know Bus existed until they announced the 20th anniversary edition reprint. And I'm like, Bus? Why is there a game called just Bus? And then I looked it up and of course it was a splotter game. But uh-huh. we're not talking about Bus right now. We're no. going to talk about Bus later. We're going to save that bit for last because yes. that's the juicy, tasty bit. Is it? I think that's so. A spoiler. Well, you know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Should we talk about Castles of Burgundy? Let's then? talk about Castles of Burgundy. Or as it's known in German, Der Bergen von Burgund. It's uh, a pun. I know, right? I think. I think. And and of course, the box is entirely burgundy, burgundy. colored. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so we have a 20th anniversary edition of mm-hmm. a very classic game. And let's let's just drop the ball. Let's say it like it is. Castles of Burgundy is the Ferrero Rocher of board games. Why is it Ferrero Rocher? Okay, what? so because it's trying to look fancy. Oh, I see. Right? But it's not. It's just okay. it's just a gold gold-colored wrapper, right? Uh-huh. And so aesthetically, it's not the best thing in the world, right? And it's trying to pretend it's an expensive candy, but it's not. It's, it's an average price candy, uh-huh. right? But you're never going to say no to a Ferrero Rocher mm-hmm. if one is being offered, right? Sure. Right? It's I, still a good and tasty well, candy, right? I feel like it's, it's got the hazelnut. of Ferrero Rocher. Like, the outside uh-huh. doesn't look like much. Right, right? yeah, yeah. But then you open it and it's amazing inside. Well, That's... do you mean mechanically? Yeah, and artwork. Okay, so, <laughs> so this is the thing me and Elaine strictly disagree on. If you're not familiar with the original look of Castles of Burgundy, it can mostly be described as a blank canvas, as it's incredibly beige and... And that blank canvas has has some artwork on it, mm-hmm. right? But but that artwork is mostly just in 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 slightly darker tones mm-hmm. of that beige canvas, mm-hmm. and that's it. And so it wasn't really much to speak about. And I think 
as a sort of an overcompensation, they went full color. But that sort of same standard German Eurogame palette of color, if you know I really what I mean. I like it. Like, it, it's, it's super functional now. Like, like it's like an 18xx. Like, this bit's green because you put a green thing there. This bit's blue because you put a blue thing there. What blah, part blah, blah, of blah. screaming into my eyes with color is functional? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, I think it looks better. You think it looks yeah, better? Yeah, because it makes it clearer how many. So, so part of the game is that you have um, hexagonal tiles mm-hmm. that are on a um communal board yes and then you have to take them and then place them on your own board mm-hmm. and there are different colored areas so blue and yellow and things yeah like but that, because that they is represent, functional right but that is the same as the old one sure okay they represent different places yeah go on what go on well but no but the rest of it around it is the thing that screams at you do you know what i mean I, do you know i didn't even notice that okay that's like that's so i'm just strange. <laughs> zoomed in i thought you were talking about like the different colors like they'd amped up the colors or no something. no no the colors are the same it's it's the, it's the artwork around, around it but it's got like a little person on it and everything now I elaine i that. i don't think there's a right or wrong way to resolve this apart from saying that if you do have an opinion on the artwork of castles of burgundy the old or the new one then please go to no pun included.com slash podcast find this episode leave a comment it's as simple as that Leave a comment. We can all join in in a wonderful discussion on whether Elaine is right or wrong. <laughs> it looks like, you know, lovely castle artwork. Like, nice. I don't know. You're wrong. Okay. 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 Let's move on from the aesthetic yes. changes in the 20th anniversary edition of Castles of Burgundy. And talk there about, are some other changes. There are some too. other changes. Well, there aren't changes. There's just a lot additions, of additions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is great. So what Castles of Burgundy does, was, which was a game that had a lot of variety to begin oh. with, uh, is takes all of the mini printed promos slash expansions and just bungs them all together into one box. Yes. And now you get everything. So you yeah. buy... A slightly more expensive version of Castles of Burgundy, which is, I think, in England retailing at £40, which I still think is a very reasonable price yeah, for, sure, yeah. for Castles of Burgundy. And then just, you, just gives you everything that's ever been made for it. And it's printed on proper cardboard now. Yes, so, uh, so the tiles better. previously were on really just about toilet paper thin cardboard, and, mm-hmm. and now they are normal board game thickness cardboard, which is nice. I like that. Anywho, how do we explain Castles of Burgundy without it sounding incredibly boring and dry. Because I, I think I think that's an actual challenge. Whereas the, I know that the game isn't boring and dry and exciting, but... ah, I find, like, taking tiles and competing with other people for those tiles, because maybe they'll get it before you get it, and you're trying to build this certain area of your board, but maybe that tile will go out. I find that exciting. It is. You're right. But I think it's hard to explain to Stefan. So for those people who are not familiar with Stefan Feld board games, they are effectively what's called point salads. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that everything you do gives you, you points. points yeah. You just need to figure out the more efficient way of spending your actions to score points. Mm-hmm. And Castles of Burgundy is very simple in that regard, that you have only two potential actions on your turn and you'll roll some dice and those dice determine slightly what type of actions you can take and mostly you'll be either taking a tile from a communal big board Mm -hmm. 
uh, and placing it on your player board but that placement isn't actual placement it's just basically a reservation of the mm. tile or then you can take that tile from that reservation area and place it on a designated spot in your player board therefore unlocking that tile's special ability or scoring mm. some points or what have you yeah so you have to decide what kind of points you want to try and make like do you go and get farm animals and try and build points as you go along or do you try and get points at the end of the game? Do you try and take tiles that will give you points for different buildings at the end of the game? And most importantly, it's a race because mm, sure. uh, the earlier you complete... So uh, there's different colored areas and different color areas describe the different type of tiles. So for example, light green is livestock. Yellow is skills, which give you special abilities and so on. And on your personal player board, you have a clump of these areas. And the sooner you fill in a clump, the sooner you will score for it and you score more points earlier at the start of the game if you manage to complete a clump and not only that you get a special um extra points tile if you are the first to complete like a whole color area in in your entirety of a player board so it's definitely a race and, and you're trying to get it done as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible and a lot of it is about maximizing your actions and how many actions you can take and a lot of the tiles for example there's tiles that won't score you extra points for placing them unlike the livestock mm. but it will let you take an extra, extra action, action for or, free yeah. right? which is valuable in a game where it's all about action efficiency or it will change how you can place other tiles like it will for example give you a plus one or minus one to your dice rolls which is really important because dice determine how what you can actually take so if you want to take a tile from the central player board uh you only roll two dice on your turn and let's say you've got a three and a five that means you can only take from the free depot or from the five depot by mm-hmm. spending the corresponding dice and then when you place these tiles and here's another thing that's important you can only place tiles adjacent to tiles you've already placed uh not only can you place them onto spaces that match their color, but you also have to spend a die that's depicted on your player board on that particular space where mm-hmm. you want to place it. Making it rather convoluted and complicated. Well, it's not complicated, no, it's, it's complex, is like, what I mean. The, yeah, it's the difference between com- convoluted and complex. And there's different ways to, to mitigate that. So you have workers that you can spend to change the value of your dice rolls. And getting them is once against an action, and you don't want to spend an action because you want to spend that action on getting the tile that you need Mm -hmm. before someone else Mm -hmm. does, or Mm -hmm. placing the tile and scoring off a bonus. And there's a genuinely satisfying moment in Castles of Burgundy where like this this moment where your plan comes together. Or it doesn't. (laughs) Or it doesn't, but like a tile will chain into another tile, will chain into another tile, will chain into a bonus, and you're Mm -hmm. like, whoa! I just did a cool thing. There are thing. some explosive turns, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. But there's there's also, in this version, there mm. is the multicoloured tile, which doesn't do anything on its own, really, when you uh, place it. But you can place it anywhere in, mm. in any colour. But it will make that area that you were just talking about bigger. So yes. a plus one bigger. So it will give you more points because the points go up like exponentially. It's not like it's for an area that's one hex bigger. You get one more point. You get like five more points or something. Um, so it, it really adds to that. You know, in 2020, uh, Castles of Burgundy, This is, I, I know we just did a pretty decent description for what it's worth on a podcast of, of how it plays and what mm-hmm. it does. But I think I feel like it feels a lot like any other type of 
Euro game from just from our description. There's nothing probably that makes it sound like it no, stands that's, out. That's probably quite true, but it is very straightforward. It's it's very simple. Like you have basically two actions because you have two dice, mm. um, and whatever number is on that dice, you can do those actions. Like there's there's no convolutedness about that. It's just it's very cohesive, isn't right, it? Yeah, yeah, and I think I like that because it makes it easier to explain, simple, and it still feels tight. It feels like a really robust design. Right, and you don't get so sucked into the mechanisms of the game that you forget what your strategy is mm. because you're trying to think of, oh, can I take this? Can I do this? Where can I go? Are you going to go there before me? Whatever, right? Like, you just know this is what you can do. So you have brain space to think about how you're planning your your points, how you're planning to get your points. I, I found, found it to be a pretty great conversational game as well because the game isn't so involved and in-depth mm-hmm. that your brain is constantly being occupied by just the game itself. You have time to chat and, mm. um, you know, just enjoy each other's company, which was... A re- I, I really enjoyed going back to Castles of Burgundy. I know we only reviewed the original version only a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but... There was an, the 20th anniversary edition was a nice excuse to get back to it. And I never had any of the mini expansions that were no. released for it. And they're actually pretty great. I really enjoyed some of them. The so, geese the are ge- my favourite, I think. Well, the geese is just one tile. But I know. For, but for some, reason, for some reason, the fact that they're geese is really latched onto Elaine. It's and- because they transform into different animals. Yeah. So you can use the geese as pigs. But in the same game, on the same board, you can use them as pigs and as cows. Like, they're transforming animals they're, they're transformers they're magical. Like, they are magical magical geese do you think they are the decepticon side of of animals or the uh um what's the what's the good transformers i forget <laughs> uh i don't know should we ask orson wells that's right orson wells was in a transformers movie wasn't he that was his last role uh-huh. he died after doing that uh-huh. cartoon mm-hmm. and that was it aside from geese there are mm. other tiles available. Uh, so one of the things you can do in Castles of Burgundy is you can collect goods as you go along. And goods go onto your personal player board and they just sort of sit there until you decide to take the action to sell them. And when you sell them, you sell them in one big clump. Mm-hmm. And you want to sell them in one big clump because each good you sell is points. And if you sell them in one clump, that's less actions you need to take in a game where you are limited to the number of actions you have. So that's cool. But there is now a new module where you can add some tiles just to top your player board. And they they say, if you sell these goods in a particular order, then you will get all these cool bonuses that are printed on these tiles. And you're like, oh, okay. But if I sell a multiple clump at the same time, that'll cover up a lot of these bonuses and won't actually trigger their effect so now you're sort of torn whether you want to efficiently sell a lot of good styles at the same time or do you want to just sell them one by one and get little piecemeal bonuses as you go along Mm. and so immediately there's an aspect of the game that was fine and now it's just a little bit more exciting yeah it gives you a different option yeah what to do and they are good bonuses too yeah exactly getting four workers or um, being able to place a tile, uh, not as an action, right? Yeah, they're efficient. They're they're basically they're giving you a free action. Yeah. As as if you had taken an action already, 
So when you sell a good, just a single good, it doesn't feel like you've wasted that action. No, because you are still getting the points for it too. So you don't lose that. Mm, it's just a more exciting way to play the game. And then, then there's the thing. So we haven't played with this, but the mm. shields look very interesting. Mm. Because one of the most miserable moments in the game <laughs> is rolling... Snake eyes. I did that a lot, rolling... Yeah. Two two eyed snakes, five eyed snakes, whatever. But like rolling doubles a lot, right? Yeah, uh, which is really annoying because it limits your uh, what you can do mm. because you want to have a lot of choice in where you can go and what you can where you can place things. And if the die are the, and the if the dice, dice are the, are the same. same, then that really limits that. So this bonus would would be really helpful. This expansion. yeah, the trick is so you have to spend not only both actions. Yeah. To take that shield for whatever bonus it provides, right? But then you have to pay one silver coin at the end of every round or whatever it is. I can't remember. But of course, the bonus is pretty good, uh -huh. right? So suddenly, you, you're like, oh, shall I have two rubbish actions or shall I just take this thing? And then maybe go and ask again, it. Again, it gives yeah. you um, options. Mm, it gives you exactly. Choice, which is nice. Yeah. And in, in, in such a straightforward game, it's nice to have those extra little add-on bits and also now there's a team variant which i should say we also haven't played no i'm looking forward to this though yeah uh we really enjoyed concordia yeah, Venus a as a team game not everyone did divisive. did you know that yeah, yeah well yeah. yeah some people are wrong so. okay good <laughs> it totally depends on who you're playing with i think yeah concordia because venus um as a team game and i expect the same is true for Castles of Burgundy team game. Of course, because you have a shared player board where you build things, so right? Like, no, yeah. don't put it there. Yeah, exactly. Don't put it there. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So I think you have to be on the same wavelength. Uh, uh, <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a callback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you have to be on the same wavelength with the person you're working with. Mm. Um, otherwise, I think it could be quite a miserable <laughs> experience. I think it's safe to say yeah. that we recommend... The 20th anniversary oh, edition of Castles of Burgundy is pretty great. We probably don't necessarily recommend it if you already own the original. And also have picked up all the little expansions. <laughs> little expansions then, then it's not then, worth it. Then probably you don't want this for worse artwork and slightly thicker cardboard Better tiles. Uh, no pun included. <laughs> com slash podcast. Please leave a comment. No, but if you've never picked it up before, then... I definitely recommend it. If you're looking for this kind of game, this point salad type game, then you can't go wrong, I think, with this. This is the best version of Castles of Burgundy. There's no reason not to pick it up. If you haven't played it, it's pretty great. You should try it. There we go. Done. Ta-da! Elaine, let's move on to Wavelength. Elaine, mm. imagine that we are currently in England, in Harpenden, and today is the 15th of January. Okay. Of 2020. I'm right, okay. It's hard, now, but I'm imagining. Imagine that I'm holding a number of fingers behind my back. Four. Anywhere between one and five, right? <laughs> holding up a number of fingers. I would hope that it would be between right? one and five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and imagine that there are two polar opposites. Yes. Hot uh -huh. or cold, uh -huh. right? And I would say, currently the weather right now. And you tell me how many fingers am I holding up? Uh, three. Three. Uh, we're not quite on the same wavelength. Oh, two. It's two. Uh -huh. It's miserable. It's cold. It's rainy. It's not great, but it could be worse. That's true. Right? That's that's where I'm at right now. And and that's basically what wavelength is. It's a team game. 
where mm. one person, much like in code names, is a clue giver, mm. but not for the entirety of the game, unlike in code names, and they'll get a polar opposite and they'll have to give a clue, and those people will have to guess. But tell us about the production of this game, Elaine. It's <laughs> it's really nice. The production is amazing. You get this big glittery plastic wheel. Uh, that if you if you imagine like a speedometer, mm-hmm. uh, you close the little door mm-hmm. on the speedometer, you whiz the wheel around frantically, mm-hmm. uh, then you open it and you see where uh, that where the kind of needle has landed. Yes, right. So then you have to you have, try and have to give a clue. You have to try and give a clue. And you're given two polar opposites. And you're given two polar opposites. So like hot and cold, right? And you have to try and give a clue that will let everyone else guess where that needle is landed. You shut up the little door. Then they have a separate twiddly knob needle yeah. to try and put it in the same place. Does that make sense? Sort of. <laughs> uh, I think... What best describes Wavelength is that you you kind of have to intuit how a person feels about something. So yes, if, for example, much. the polar opposite was good fruit and bad fruit, and I said raisins. I would put that on very, very, very uh, right. Which is bad, bad fruit. fruit. Yeah, sorry, okay. I, I didn't know my left and my right then. but uh, Neither yeah. did the podcast listeners. <laughs> Well, because you said left, you said good fruit and bad fruit, so left and right. No one could see that. (laughs) Okay, whatever. (laughs) Anyway, anyway, I would put it on the very, very, very bad fruit because you hate raisins with a passion. So So that's because you know me, right? Correct. But then if if but if it was the other way around and I said raisins, I would probably put it close to somewhere between mid and good fruit, if that makes sense. I think I would put it there. Yeah, I yeah. see. I I don't know about raisins. Like, if they're in something, like uh-huh. in a cake, then I yeah. like them a lot more than just eating a cup yeah. full of raisins. Yeah, but I don't know that, and I have to guess how much you like raisins. You should know that. So, with something that's very, very negative <laughs> or very positive, right? It's very easy mm-hmm. because you can easily come up with something that's a clue to someone that you know, right? Um, that a this is I I hate I hate this right, uh-huh. and then it's the job of the other team also to convince their opponents that everything that they're saying is completely wrong, uh-huh. and you actually should guess the other way. And there's wavelength is is a game mostly of discussion really and having conversations and talking to each other I and trying to skew. The other team. I you can't mean, possibly think your morning cup of tea is the hottest thing in the world. Like, I don't know. Is that the best example? Yes, you could I couldn't think with? of anything else on the spot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you can't possibly think a cheese on toast is the hottest thing in the world. I don't know. I had some pretty hot cheese alone. Well, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This is where the discussion is, right? And also temperature wise. I've not been the clue giver in this game yet. I've only played it once, really. And the thought of being the clue giver fills me with with dread honestly because i'm not very good it's a bit like when i play auction games i'm not very good at starting the auction because i i will go wildly too high or wildly too low and this is the same thing i have no idea what i think about most things like unless it is something that i feel really passionate about like you know if you said if you had good and bad and i said dancing bears in circuses then that is clearly very very bad right but if it was You know, if I had to give a clue that was somewhere middling, I would have nowhere, no no idea how to to put that on that wheel. 
I have. I think people have been pretty clever with things at times. Uh, someone, someone gave the clue uh, to utopia versus dystopia, and they said Milton Keynes. <laughs> and I feel that that's very niche. Like you have to know what Milton Keynes is. is. You have to have been, but because we live near Milton this Keynes, is true. it's not too far away. I think it's reasonable to say that every one of us who is playing that game has, at one point in their lives, been to Milton Keynes. We knew what a Milton Keynes was. Yeah, whether they've gone to IKEA or many other retail outlets in Milton Keynes. See, I I think of Milton Keynes slightly less dystopian. I think because you used it as a clue once for twenty questions, and it took me. About about three hours to get it so I, <laughs> it I was have, a good car it ride was, like. it was a good car, car ride yeah yeah but if, to those who are not familiar with Milton Keynes <laughs> it's basically a city that was built in the 60s where they thought this is going to be what a modern city looks like yeah and it was a very clever idea it was a very clever idea but executed in a because, very British way where it's mostly just roundabouts and retail outlets because there's a lot of grids it's yeah. like the roads are a grid network mm. so there's a lot of roundabouts that have four-way roads going off them, and yeah. then you go whichever way you need to go. And so it was should have been easier to navigate, but for someone like me that is has a horrible sense of direction, but is good at spotting landmarks and, and knowing where I am by that, it's a nightmare because I never know where I am. And not only that, you can't tell if anything apart because everything's just square blocks lined with aluminum sheets it's true <laughs> anyway this isn't the podcast about milton Keynes. this is why not <laughs> let's just diss milton Keynes for as much as possible oh no i quite like milton Keynes. do you it's really nice. yeah, okay. I, do. yeah. I, I think well it was leaning the actual answer is was leaning towards dystopia but yeah. it was very middling because right. it is just such a nothing place uh-huh. and i think that immediately gave us a clue that well you know what it's going to be probably Somewhere in the middle, but closer to negative rather than positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think I enjoy having these discussions with people. It's very awkward sometimes because you're trying to be polite and not too overbearing in terms of, no, I think this yeah, is right, right, you know? So there has to be a nice group dynamic. And sometimes I found that really dissuade me because in my head, I knew Milton Keynes should have been lower than, mm. than what we actually put it on. But I didn't want to push it too much because I didn't want to be that guy. No, but that's that's the thing. Is the game more about you winning the game? You as a team, I guess, winning the game. Or mm. is it more about you having discussions and having a nice time? And I would always tend to go towards, in a, in a game like this, a party game, mm. where you're supposed to be having fun yeah. and it's supposed to be promoting discussion, I would always go more towards... Maybe, okay, we won't get these points, but I'm not going to force my opinion on whether I think Slough is the worst city ever. No, I found Wavelength, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I found Wavelength to be better when it was later and there was alcohol involved because everyone was just a little bit looser with with Uh social boundaries in terms of... I don't mean like being rude to each other or whatever, (laughs) but everyone was just a little bit more yelly and a little bit more opinionated, you Uh know? And and I think that provoked a little bit more discussion and a little bit more laughter at the same time. Mm-hmm. And as as long as everyone is fine with that, mm. then mm. then that's all right. If that's kind of what you're agreeing is your yeah. kind of social group, then that's fine. If you don't mind, if you're all friends or you know you're all in a place where it's okay to do that, then I I don't see why not. I want to say this outright. I really like Wavelength. Mm. I think it's a really great party game. It's probably one of the better party games I played in the last year. One of the best party games I played in the last year. And 
the one thing that's and i know it's a common trope of party games that the scoring mechanism isn't necessarily the best scoring mechanism but i feel like it's not only that the scoring mechanism isn't very good in wavelength it, it, it made me feel like some games were really lackluster because they just sort of got off the ground and immediately ended because those, t mm. those 10 points if someone's really good so you just need to guess three times and the game's over so that that could mean that there's a potential of five guesses in the entire game and that feels very short for some reason i don't know why mm. um and i feel like i feel like if i played it again i maybe especially uh if we if everyone was into it and we're having a good time would you I would go say, to more points then, yeah or? maybe go to more points i don't know how wonky it makes makes it or whatever but i i feel like with any party game you just you know go ah this works better for us we haven't said uh that this game is from the designer of the mind. Yes. Um, and I think that's important because it's a similar kind of you're trying to get into someone else's head. Well, I remember the first time I saw the mind, which was uh, a live, a BGG live stream mm -hmm. where W. Eric Martin and our friend John Cox uh, was playing it. We're playing it. And it was just, I remember watching it and going, this is the most exciting dead air I have <laughs> uh -huh. ever seen. Because no one's saying anything. They're just looking at each other and then playing a card, right? Uh -huh. Like really speedily. Mm -hmm. And you just have to play it at the right time. And and I thought, this is exciting. And, and Wavelength, is whilst it stems from that of reading what your friends are trying to to make you feel or to make you understand or whatever. It's very much a game based on discussion and, and talking to each other. So in some ways it is the opposite of the mm -hmm. mind. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that makes me enjoy it even more because I'm a naturally talkative person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you are a naturally talkative person, I think it's, it's definitely a good game. If you're, if you're one of those people that will sit back and let everyone else say their opinion or their ideas, then you might not have that much involvement. It doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it. Mm, um, because because you'll listen to the other people, what other people are arguing about things is quite funny. But it, it might not be a game that you have a lot of involvement in. I think that's very nicely summed up. And I think it's time to move on to the star of the show, Elaine. Bus. Bus, bus, bus. bus. Elaine, now mm. I believe you have prepared some bus facts for us. Can you hit Have us I? with a bus fact? Yes. Did you know, Efka, that the bus was invented by Jonathan Bussington Smythe in 1946 to house his enormous family um, after trying and failing to get them into a Mini Cooper? I, I feel like I've learned something. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> Bus is a game where you build bus routes and deliver passengers to where they want to go and also dilate time. It's not really where they want to go. It's work, home or the pub. Well, it's the eternal cycle of life. Right. And one of the things I really like about bus is the sort of, I don't want to call it social commentary, but there's definitely some social satire happening uh -huh. where basically there is a city where these bus networks are going to be built. And in this city that's not named in any way people will come in on the train but and they never, never leave. leave yeah they just get put into this eternal cycle of they go from home to work from work to pub 
from pub to home, from home to work, and from not work even to necessarily pub. their own home. Like they'll just go to the closest <laughs> home that's yeah. available to them. They'll simply fulfil the social function of now is the time to go to work. Uh-huh. Everyone goes to work. Uh-huh. Now is the time to go to pub. Everyone goes to the pub they are nameless and faceless yes just like in real life yes Mm -hmm. and it just keeps cycling onwards Mm -hmm. and onwards and onwards and the only non-constant is this is the bus routes Mm -hmm. and 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 where you build them and sometimes you'll stop time uh yeah and sometimes the universe will end there is that's one of the ways the game ends is if is that, the universe ends. Is that when someone runs out of pips? Uh, no, that's when someone runs out of time tokens, the special time crystals. Because uh, there's only oh, five. Yes. And we you, didn't even really use those, did we? we like d- no one took them. Is what the I mean. one time we played bus, uh, no one really took a time crystal no. because there wasn't a particular need, I felt. But that's fine. That's okay. No one stopped time. No one stopped time. No. Not even once. Because yeah. no, no one wanted to. Because it was either too late by then and it wouldn't matter or, or yeah. Anyway, so bus is a game where you effectively start building some bus routes on a map of that's just city streets and places where you can build buildings. And you'll place some buildings and the buildings are either home, work or pub. And uh, passengers will start flooding into the city. Mm. And then if the time of day is pub, then... <laughs> Any passenger that is not at a pub location will want to go to a pub location (laughs) and fill it up. And if your bus line can take them all the way from their location to pub location, then then they'll go to pub. But if they're already at the pub, then sorry, they're not going to take the bus. Um, And this is one of the most deviously, dastardly, annoying, but delightfully annoying Uh uh, moments in the game where you've planned out and this is only going to happen if you not played the game before. But you've planned out, like, okay, there's this passenger. <laughs> he wants to go to pubs. I'll build these routes. And then someone goes, uh, I'll build a pub where a passenger is. And you're so like... So he'll immediately go to that pub instead of going on your bus to the pub you want him to go to. And you're like, I, I can't. This is not going anywhere. And, and here's the thing. So one of the... I, I've never seen this in any game, but basically... the. the Bus says you have 25 actions. For the, no, <laughs> right. sorry, 20 actions 20 for the actions, courses yeah. of the game. and Spend them however you like. You can use them all on the first round if you want to. Yeah. But then you'll have nothing to do for the rest of the game. Yeah, you're pretty much, if you spend 20 actions, you're out. And then you can wait till everyone finishes the game and see what your score is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a game where you score a lot either. I won, I, my winning score on our first game was 11. Mm, I got six. <laughs> yeah. It probably speaks... To our inefficiency of being bus bu- buses, mm-hmm. bus delivery bus, people, yeah, yeah, bus delivery people, <laughs> we, we don't like deliver bus, bus drivers. Bus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's what you mean. Bus route planners, uh-huh. uh, city planners, city planners. Yeah, there we go. Okay. There we go. N- not efficient city planners, but the score track only goes up to twenty. Yeah. So it's not a high-scoring game. So, and to score points. You actually have to spend one of your actions to say, mm. I, wish I to think deliver that, a passenger. Yeah, yeah, I think that at the end of this round, there will be a passenger on my bus route uh-huh. that will use my bus route and go somewhere. And if that passenger does go somewhere, that's one point. And the weird thing is, because buses normally take quite a lot of people, but yeah. you can only deliver one passenger per bus. <laughs> so you have to get more buses to deliver more than one passenger. I get that it's probably representing like 
the meeple is representing more than one person, but it's still so <laughs> weird. And, yeah. and like the whole thing is kooky. Surreal and kooky yeah. and wonderful. And the artwork yeah. uh, on the original map is just straight out of the 90s. I think it's the first board game that opened... Did everything but openly admit we were on a lot of drugs when we made this. Mm-hmm. Because it's... I, it's like a child's drawing. But it's like a very, very involved child's drawing with a lot like, of little details. Like, when, and... like, I remember when I was a kid, I used to try and draw, like, Where's Wally? Mm-hmm. Like, do my own Where's Wally type. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like that, right? It... Um, I'm a terrible artist, so I failed totally. But it's that kind of thing. There's so much detail on it. Mm-hmm. So many colours. It, yeah. I really like it. I really like it as well. I think we're, we're downplaying how gorgeous the original uh-huh. uh, board of bus is. And it's, it's, it is like a child's drawing, but it's a child's drawing done by someone who's a competent artist. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And uh, Oh, when I said it's like straight out the 90s, that's a compliment. Yeah. It's just really in your face. I'm not sure how good it is for gameplay because we didn't use it. No, I don't we used the, the new redesigned player the, board. The, yeah. the plainer one uh-huh. um, for simplicity. Just because we wanted to be able to play the game. <laughs> right. And not be going, oh, look at that little thing on the board there. Yeah. But it looks good. Yeah, it does. I think there's a lot that can be said about the humour and satire in Bus, which is a game from Splotter Spielen, mm. which our publishers known for injecting a little bit of humour into very cutthroat e- economic simulators, mm. or in this case, uh, pick em and deliver game. And I, I think... It, so one thing comes to mind for me is the contrast between something like Age of Steam, which we've been playing, which is a pretty old game as mm-hmm. well. And mm-hmm. it's also a sort of a pick up and deliver game. Yeah. And that's a very ruthless cutthroat mathematical puzzle of efficiency. And Bus is also a very ruthless cutthroat mathematical puzzle of efficiency. But there's something about Bus. And I know I we really didn't get on with Age of Steam and a lot of people right. say, you're wrong. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Sure, but bus is just immediately so much more fun and so much more dynamic and so many things happening and it's a game that's older than Age of Steam. I, I, and and here's one thing: Age of Steam is very reliant on what the map is, and mm. then you learn what the good parts of the map are and what the bad yeah. parts of the map are. And there's a meta game that develops over multiple courses of plays you know and you're oh someone has to take that route before steven can get in there with his trains or whatever yeah whereas bus it just grows and every time it's going to grow it's going to grow differently and there's no randomness actually like uh, where the buildings come out mm. aren't random no you're, people are placing those there's no hidden information right it's an entirely deterministic game that is completely reliant f- for the dynamic to come from what other players yeah. do and it's one of the few games that actually absolutely succeeds at that and does create a dynamic environment. I think a lot of that stems from the way that the actions are taken. Because So what happens is you have 20 workers. You can spend them however you like for the course of a game. Uh, but where you place them, if, you, if you're the first to place, that might mean you're the last to resolve that mm, action. Yeah, that's true. But also, depending on how many buses a certain player... So there's, there's a this constant bus number, which is the maximum number of buses a single player has. Yeah. And if you are the first to place in some cases for an action, so for example, you're laying route, which mm-hmm. is place a stick down on the street. That's uh-huh. your route now. Uh, if you are the first to place, 
and the maximum number of buses is free, then you'll be laying free sticks. The next yeah. person to place uh, will place two and so on. But just because you reserved that action first doesn't mean you're going to go first. That probably no. means you're going to go last and you're not going to be able to build the routes necessarily where you want them because other people might block you off. But you also, if you leave it too long, you might not be able to do that action at all. Because if you go, oh, well, I don't want to place my pip down now because mm. I don't want to go last on this action. I'm going to wait till other people place their pips down and then place mine. So I'm going to go before them. But then you might get in a situation where actually that's now filled up and you can't place your pip on there at all. So you're never going to be, be able to build routes this round. I remember when we played, you waited and waited and uh -huh, so patiently, uh -huh, patiently uh -huh. because you wanted to make sure <laughs> uh -huh. that you were going to be the first person to lay a track because you needed to happen that for that to happen so much uh -huh. and then it didn't i i may be talking from experience here <laughs> yeah um that was quite funny but i think what's cool about bus is just how fresh it felt and for a 20 year old game it felt like yeah this is this is this is a perfectly competent and reasonable game for yeah if it had come out this yeah. year or last year i would have been like oh yeah okay sure yeah um the sad thing so we we were lucky enough, Capstone Games, the publisher, sent us a copy of the 20th anniversary mm. edition. Uh, they made two printings. The edition you had to pre-order and it's no longer available for retail. It was a once-off printing. But they also made a regular new edition of Bus, which sadly does not come with, no, the, uh, with the arcane... Uh, <laughs> arcane. Arcane town map. board, uh -huh. map board. Uh -huh. It just comes with the regular new blind beige board. But more, arguably more functional. Absolutely more mm -hmm. functional. Mm -hmm. And and still, what I really like is that the original board, all the locations were like 1830 station. Yeah, or, yeah. you know, Avalon Hill something, uh -huh. something, right? And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and they just sort of updated that. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of titles from Capstone Games. It's a lot of titles from uh, Splotter. Uh, but also a lot of titles that clearly the designers and the developers and the publishers enjoy mm. so uh, all the locations are named after that so that's a little nice touch of like board game love one problem bus is 65 pounds mm. that's the cheapest i could find it for uh, on a website that sells board games and in america that probably means it's about 80 dollars. yeah and it's just too much i i think it's too much i i i, I don't want to be one of those people that says i wouldn't pay that much money for a board game because honestly we didn't pay anything for bus. It was just sent to us, right? But as an experience, I really enjoyed it. And if you're a fan of Splatter, and if you're a fan of... And root building, yeah. Yeah. Bus is great, and you might want to pick it up. But for anyone else, I wouldn't say bus is an essential purchase. No. I mean... I don't think we'd get enough replay out of it to justify spending that amount of money on it. Well, there's a thematic novelty and humour that is really compelling. But let's not forget that that thematic novelty and humor mm. you know holds up, up about one maybe two games and then you're like okay we're building roots mm -hmm. right and as a root building game like we said it's pretty dynamic mm. it's, it's fun yeah it's pretty great but i'm not sure it feels like it's it's that amount of money of fun and it's an arbitrary thing to say but as a board game reviewer i have to go it just doesn't and mm. that's my instinct mm. and i'm gonna go with it mm. if you yeah if you love splotter or maybe you're a bus conductor or a route city planner. A bus then, conductor? I mean, not a bus, uh, bus driver. Oh, right. Or a conductor, I, so, I suddenly imagine an orchestra work... full of buses. <laughs> no. <laughs> if you work in a bus uh, or you're a city planner, then, then maybe this will be a fun one for you.
Okay. But otherwise, maybe it's a little bit too expensive. I, 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 I like to live in a world where there's an orchestra of buses and there's a man waving a wheel and going, <laughs> you do waving this now. Wheel. Yeah. Would, and, it and would th- just be their horns. Yeah, ha, yeah. Ha, 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 like that, right? Uh, can someone can someone make a cartoon where that's a reality? It's like um, what you know the goats singing. Yeah, because they're going me 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 like this right, and it's like twinkle twinkle little star or something. You could do that where like the exhaust is making a noise and they're revving and the yeah mm-hmm. you could do that. We could probably do that. someone could yeah. do that <laughs> yeah. if they really wanted to. Anyway, it, it's entirely possible, Elaine, that the world's first bus conductor is listening to this podcast I'm sure right joke now. Must have been made before at some <laughs> point. We have a question. We do. Our question this week comes from Jeff uh, with the subject culling, which was a bit of a frightening title. But, but the email is actually very nice. It says, enjoying the podcast, so thanks for that. It's a nice surprise when they arrive. Thank you very much, Jeff. The question is, how do you cur- curate a collection? Jeff goes on to say, I'm at 300 games and expansions and struggling for space and time to play them all. I try to get rid of the duds, the replaced and the not worth playing, but it's hard to get it back to a manageable level when the next best thing is coming in the post. Any advice? Yes, uh, Jeff, you need to be ruthless. You need to be absolutely ruthless and brutal. And and this just, you're right, you're right. There are too many games. There are too many games. And we're trying to do our job and help you decide. And I think it's easy to say, well, you know, just, just, just don't buy the hot thing. Just wait for the reviews. And obviously we would say that because we want you to watch our thing before you make a decision, <laughs> this is true. right? Um, but... But that is helpful advice, I think, because mm. and it's not just us. There's there's a lot of great reviewers out there who may help you make your decision, like um, Tom Russell, of course, and uh, Shut Up and Sit Down, of course, and, and even watching a playthrough sometimes. Yeah, yeah. because a, maybe a review isn't quite enough, and you want to see it more in depth. So yeah. there's some some great people that do playthroughs. But it's a matter of doing it the right way around. Yeah. Watch, then decide, yes. rather than decide and then watch yeah and i I think you don't need to watch a review after you've bought it to see whether someone else's opinion matches your own yeah uh although do still watch do still watch obviously because because that still gives (laughs) us the views but you know um but i would say i would say you have to be particularly ruthless with your collection yeah and I I I started applying the the sort of uh, Mary Kondo method, but but updated to board game specifics. Mm-hmm. So, for example, do you have a game that you've not played in a while, but you still kind of want to keep it because you like it? Mm. Well, ask yourself the question: Does anyone else in my group have that mm. game? Because if I haven't played it in a while, there's probably a reason for that, and you, you, I should probably get rid of it. But if someone in my group also has that game, well, I can ask them, are you going to keep yours? And if they say yes, then I'm pretty safe, safe to sell mine because it doesn't matter. And you know what? There was uh, there was an instance where I rebought a game recently. What was the game? Uh, Gods of Atlantis. Because uh-huh. I got I got rid of it, but I thought, nah, I really like that game. Mm-hmm. I really like it and I want to have it back. So I just, I, just, I just got another copy. <laughs> we haven't played it yet, though. No, we haven't, but we will. And it's just because we're moving. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was like, no, I really like that game and I want to have it back. But that was a one 
in 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 I think probably hundreds. Yeah. Because we obviously get a lot of games sent to us all the time. We have to be particularly ruthless because mm. we don't have a lot of space, and it's just become basically is this game amazing mm. and if it isn't it just goes mm. uh and it has to be particularly amazing i think to make space in our collection by now and, yeah. and obviously there's two collections that we have because one of them is the work collection yeah and we do kind of set ourselves time limits as well like mm. okay should we get rid of this game or should we keep this game okay well let's keep it for now and if we haven't played it in the next three months six months whatever then we're obviously not that interested in it. Mm. But I think your point to begin with was was good, actually. It's not about getting rid of games. It's about curating what you buy in the first place. Mm-hmm. It's about deciding and really putting thought into what you're buying. Mm. Particularly if you're, one of your friends is also maybe backing the same Kickstarter as you. Um, do you really need to, to back that Kickstarter? Or do you really need to go, in, go ahead and buy that game? Most importantly, Jeff... And to anyone who's listening and finds themselves in Jeff's shoes, you already taken the first step in identifying that there is a problem. You are starting to feel like I have too many games and it doesn't feel comfortable anymore. And this is this is a pivotal moment because you're realizing that this isn't as joyous as you want it to be. Mm. And and that's where you need to start telling yourself that I'm gonna be ruthless. You can yeah, still find a lot of. Ultimately, games should bring you joy. Yeah, right. right? Like Mary Kondo nailed it because <laughs> because that's why we're buying board games. They they're meant to make us happy. Yeah. And if suddenly you're looking at your collection and it's just giving you anxiety because there's all these games that you haven't played and that you have bought and spent money on and they're taking up space and I don't know what to do. Should I get rid of this? Should I not get rid of this? You're starting to not enjoy yourself so yeah. much. And even if you feel like, oh, well, I've spent a lot of money on it, I shouldn't really sell it because I feel like I should actually play it because I've spent money on it. Her idea is that actually, no, just just sell it or, or put, take it to the charity shop or give it to someone that would really appreciate it. Um, because otherwise you're just giving yourself more and more weight and baggage uh, mm-hmm. to deal with and it's just not worth it because mm-hmm. every time you look at it you're not going to think oh I'm so excited to play that you're going to think oh I need to play that or I need to I need to do something with it because it's it cost me so much money it's don't not let, worth it don't let board games become a bother no. just make it make it a joyous thing in your life again and uh and I think that's where we're going to end. Why don't you say goodbye, Elaine? Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine. Goodbye, Elaine.